0: A M E M, The Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U-S-A. The Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007 Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Dave.
1: The aroma of my freshly ground and brewed coffee... Wafting all around me. Of course, we serve it in China here at Command Center Alpha. Not in a plastic cup. Not in a styrofoam cup. In fact, mm, you can hear the banging of the China cup against the China We're very elegant and refined here at Command Center Alpha. And as the global alpha male-in-chief, you would expect nothing less. We're all about class. Refinement sophistication, elegance, all the traits that dames love in their males. And we espouse them here, and we espouse the alpha male good life without any regrets, without any apologies, in any way, shape, or form. We enjoy the good life and are damn proud to do so. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute semper, Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. The global five-star general and alpha male-in-chief front and center on my very cushy, comfortable leather chair that is embossed, embroidered with the five-star and Cigar Dave logo. And if you hear the sound of a bone being chomped on that is Pendragon's royal Baron, the canine puppy now one year of age here at Command Center Alpha that is going to town on a giant chew bone, one of those supposedly indestructible bones for the power chewer, the nyla bones. I think I got the one that is uh, beef flavored. There's no way that canine Baron puppy baron is going to be a vegetarian. That is not going to happen, but he is going to town on that. So if you hear him uh, chomping away, you know exactly what that is. Tons to get to, but before we do, don't forget, follow me on social media. Primary method is Twitter, at Cigar Dave Show, but we're also on Facebook and on uh, Instagram, YouTube, all the other social media platforms. Just go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner, you'll see all the links and you can follow us along. It is, I must say, as comfortable and as palatial and as elegant Command Center Alpha is, it is a bit of a letdown not being on the flight line like we were last week at the Sun and Fun Air Show. In fact, they changed the name as soon as we left. They made the announcement the right after we left that the Sun and Fun International Flying is going to change their name to the Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo. And every year we have a great time. Sergeant Steve, That's it's a little bit of a schlep to get all of our equipment over to the AOPA tent. But the people at Sun and Fun, Lights, house and his people do a great job accommodating us. And that is a fun, that's always a fun show to do.
2: Oh, it's one of my favorite ones all year long. And, and while it is a schlep, it's well worth it.
1: Well, the reason it's one of your favorite is because I always splurge on buying the lemonade. Because there is there is no booze on the flight line, but we get that nice. There's nothing like... A $7 lemonade that costs maybe 16 cents to make. They take one lemon, they squeeze it in there, a little bit of uh, artificial sweetener or sweetener, some water, and a, of course, I, I upgraded to get the plastic souvenir cup, seven bucks. Most expensive lemonade water you'll ever get. You got to
2: love capitalism.
1: Well, n- listen, I'm not a socialist. We were thirsty. We wanted something cool and refreshing. Nobody forced us to pay the seven bucks. We could have gone back to the media the media building and gotten complimentary bottled water. But nope, we wanted the cool, refreshing, fresh-squeezed lemonade taste. Now, good news for the cigar industry. When I started this show back in July of 1995, the cigar industry was going through a renaissance, a cigar boom. And the peak of that cigar boom was in 19, I want to say around 1997, there were 400, and I remember that number, 418 million premium cigars that were imported from the various cigar-making countries. The Dominican Republic, Honduras, Nicaragua, Mexico, Canary Islands, and the United States. In fact, when we look back, Nicaragua was a very, very small player back in 1995 when we started the show. But, my, have things changed. Nicaragua is now the number one cigar-producing country in the world. But the final numbers for 2008 are in according to the Cigar Association of America. And cigar connoisseurs, alpha males, enjoying their cigars in big numbers. Handmade cigars, the imports of handmade cigars rose 10%, 9.7%, almost 10% to 362 million cigars, the best year for imports since 1997. And when you look at what is causing that growth, even though the taxes are higher than ever before, more stipulations and restrictions on where you can and cannot smoke your cigars. I mean, we're seeing more age restrictions. Nonetheless connoisseurs are finding their way to purchase and enjoy cigars. That speaks volumes to me. Think about this. Harder than ever, since I started this show in 1995, be 24 years in July, harder than ever to enjoy a cigar. More restrictions than ever, yet we're seeing a huge uptick, almost a 10% increase in the cigars imported last year that speaks volumes as to the pleasure the enjoyment the camaraderie the fellowship that is derived from smoking a cigar in fact sergeant steve you are a you're not a huge cigar connoisseur you're an occasional cigar connoisseur but you had a very dear relative passed away and you sent me a picture that to celebrate her life you lit up an alec bradley
2: Uh, Alec Bradley, Connecticut. I had a whole box here, and my family, it was uh, seven or eight of us sitting around outside the pool smoking and uh, enjoying life and celebrating her life as she would have wanted it. Exactly. And
1: I always say that you don't have to smoke one cigar a month, one cigar a week. You smoke one cigar a year, maybe it's a celebratory occasion, twice a year. You get just as much pleasure smoking that cigar one time per year or one time per month as you do somebody that maybe enjoys a cigar, one cigar per day or one every other day or two, three a week. I always say that when it comes to cigars, it is not about quantity. It is about quality. That is the difference between cigars and other tobacco products. You don't see people lighting up a cigarette for a celebratory occasion once once a year. If they're a cigarette smoker, they're smoking once every five minutes, once every hour, multiple times a day. Cigars are totally different, just like fine wine, but powered by just the huge number of cigars imported from Nicaragua. This is the fourth year in a row where premium cigar imports to the United States have grown. Seventh consecutive year with imports more than 300 million cigars. And again... More restrictions, more taxes, more difficult to enjoy a cigar than ever before. More regulation just doesn't end. Let's talk about Nicaragua. Nicaragua in, let's see, in 19, I'm trying to remember here, I'm just, uh, 1998, I want to say that Nicaragua shipped about 25, maybe less than that, about 25 million premium cigars in the United States. In fact, They rank behind the Dominican Republic and Honduras. So about 25 million cigars. In fact, uh, where is it? Here it is. Let me pull it up right here on my computer screen. About 24 million. So I was a million high. 24 million cigars from Nicaragua imported in 1998, 20 years ago. In 2018, Nicaragua produced and shipped to the United States 173 million premium cigars. And that is up 16% from 2017, where Nicaragua shipped 148 million. Now think about that. 24 million cigars from Nicaragua in 1998. 20 years later, number one premium hand-rolled cigar-producing country in the world. They've surpassed the Dominican Republic, which is almost unheard of, 173 million million cigars from Nicaragua. From the Dominican Republic, the second largest producer last year, they were flat, shipping 118 million cigars, and Honduras rose slightly to 69, almost 70 million cigars. So Nicaragua's number one, the Dominican Republic number two, far behind Nicaragua, and when you look at the number three country, Honduras, Honduras was always a solid number two, no longer. So it's incredible. When you go back 20 years, 1998, It was the Dominican Republic, number one, 185 million premium cigars shipped to the United States. Then you had, uh, I want to say, Honduras, which was 83 million cigars. Nicaragua was tied with Jamaica. Now we don't even talk about Jamaica because at one time we had Macanudo and Temple Hall. That was a cigar, Temple Hall, that was manufactured by General Cigar that I absolutely loved. Beautiful Connecticut wrapper, had notes of maple and just a a cinnamon, just a beautiful cigar, Temple Hall Estates, made by General Cigar, but made in Jamaica, no longer. There's no cigars virtually made in in, uh, Jamaica. And Mexico rounded off the list. And Mexico still makes excellent cigars. You look at the Torrents. There's some other manufacturers. But Nicaragua now, when you look at the manufacturers, think about it. You've got Padron. They were the first. Well, I shouldn't say that. Hoy de Nicaragua was always number one. Then you've got Padron. Then Oliva came in there. And then A.J. Fernandez. Rocky Patel's got a factory. You've got um, um, uh, Drew Estate. I mean, the list... Perdomo, the list goes on and on and on, the number of manufacturers that are based in Nicaragua. Great region to grow cigar tobaccos. In fact, the when you look at the foremost growers of tobacco in the world, the Oliva family here of Tampa, not Oliva Cigar, but Oliva Tobacco. I remember John Oliva and Angel Oliva uh, Jr. told me, they said, look, after Cuba closed, their father, Angel Oliva Sr., Scoured the Central America, South America, to find the best place to grow cigar tobaccos. At the time, Nicaragua was no picnic. He said, by far, Nicaragua was the best, closest climate to Cuba, closest soil, and that is borne out now. Probably what uh, 50 years after Angel Oliva Sr. first started planting cigar tobacco seeds in Nicaragua, now it is booming, bigger than ever before, and so it bodes well. For those of us that are cigar connoisseurs, again, more restrictions than ever, more difficult to enjoy cigars than ever, more taxation, yet that is not stopping us from enjoying great cigars. When we look at the numbers, 1992, 100 million premium cigars imported into the United States. It boomed, it capped in 1997 at 418 million, so you saw over a 400% boom, explosion in less than five years. In 1998, slowed down to 335 million cigars. Then in 1999, we saw backing off significantly to 248 million. But slowly, 2012 reached 300 million cigars. And for 2018, we're talking about just uh, almost record numbers, 362 million cigars. And remember, when it hit the boom, there were no taxes, there were no restrictions, there were no smoking bans. There was, wasn't government the enemies of pleasure on our backs, so bodes very very well. We have become in this country now extremely ultra sensitive. Now I don't say we because as alpha males, we're not hypersensitive. We we are not afraid to give a woman a compliment to say love those shoes. You look great. You smell great. In no way shape or form is that part of the what I consider me too movement. If somebody says, oh, General, you were sexually harassing a woman because you said she smelled great. Well, I'm not like Joe Biden where I'm sticking my, my, uh, my nostrils in her hair. I'm not pawing her. I'm not uh, manhandling her. I'm making a compliment. Just like when I walk into places, I always wear cologne, and I get tons of compliments whether I'm wearing my Bulgari, my Dunhill Fresh, my Aqua de Gio, my Dolce Gabbana, everywhere I go. This morning, I'm walking into Command Center Alpha, and as I walk into the lobby, one of the ladies that works at our front desk said, General, what are you wearing this morning? It smells fantastic. Well, I changed it up a little bit. Normally, I wear my Bulgari, but I said, you know what? I'm going to go with the Chanel Blue. And she said, I love that. It just got a unique smell, a little citrusy, not over the top, very refreshing, very, very crisp. And I said, Well, thank you very much. I didn't get offended and say, I feel like a piece of meat. Hashtag me, man, too. I said, Well, thank you very much. And when I see a woman, in fact, my weak spot, I will tell you this right now. My weak spot, if I see women in any sort of leopard print, whether it's a skirt, whether it's a dress, a blouse, a scarf, forget it. Love seeing, and it never goes out of style. I compliment a woman. I'll say, I love that. Love that scarf you're wearing. In fact, to me, very elegant refinement, elegant accoutrement on a lovely dame is a scarf. Cigar mother always wears a scarf, cigar sister. It's just a very elegant accessory. And so when I see a woman wearing a scarf, no matter where I am, I will point out, especially if it's a nice, colorful scarf or an animal print, I'll say, I love that scarf, and I love the look. Very elegant. I have never once, never once, and I've probably doled out this compliment, genuine compliment. I don't just say it to say it. But I have probably doled it out at least two, 300 times. At least in my lifetime. Maybe more. I have never once. Ever once had a woman say to me, I'm offended. I take deep offense. That is such a blatant sexual harassment comment. You should be reported to the sexual harassment police, the SHP. It's never happened. I dole out compliments genuinely, sincerely. So if I see a woman wearing a pair of shoes and I say, I love those shoes, fabulous, those boots, off the charts. I have women like getting, everybody likes getting compliments. You're not doing it in a harassment sense. You're doing it to be genuinely pleasant, to be nice. But yet we see some of these women, and really they border on being men. You know, they have the facial hair. They've got longer sideburns than I do and much longer sideburns than Elvis and Engelbert Humperdinck combined. Facial hair. They've got a longer beard than I do. They've got more hair on their arms and on their legs and under their arms than I do. And all alpha males do combined. Those are not elegant women. Those are tough broads. But when you see a woman and you give her a compliment, they genuinely appreciate that. So imagine when the host of a public radio a show on a public radio station KM Correction KWMU KWMU in St. Louis, Missouri. That's KMU. I like that. Moo. Wheat meat here at KWMU. Top of the hour. Moo. Fire up. You know, I could have fun with having call letters, KMU. That would be beautiful. Well, Don Marsh, who is 80 years of age, longtime host at KWMU in St. Louis on St. Louis Public Radio, quit his job. Because managers asked him about a remark he had made to a guest a day before that a colleague had felt was sexist. Let me set this up for you. as this happened a couple of weeks ago. This is towards the beginning of the month. Marsh had a guest on his Tuesday on his edition of St. Louis on the Air, a guest who is a longtime anchor woman in St. Louis on KSDK TV channel 5, know it well who retired in 2016. Her name is Karen Foss, 75 years of age. And when Marsh greeted Miss Foss, he said before their 21-minute interview, he said, you look great. Now, Sergeant Steve, let me ask you, do you think when somebody says to a woman, you look great, would you take that as a sexual harassing type of comment? Or just, hey, that's a nice comment. That's a nice compliment. Thank exactly. you. In fact, Foss, who's 75, and I've got her full Facebook response, but basically said, hey, that's a common, commonly accepted greeting for those of us who are older to greet each other. She says, as a woman who has long argued for the equitable treatment of women, I am highly alert to sexism and discrimination, and I sensed absolutely none of that in his greeting. In fact... If I were to see somebody and I've, Sergeant Steve, you've been with me where we've seen people from, you know, at the uh, IPCPR trade shows or at pleasure fests or other events where I say, oh my God, I haven't seen you in ages. You look great. You look fantastic. Say it to men, say it to women. When they do genuinely look great, you say that. That's a compliment. Sergeant Steve, do you ever recall anybody saying, I'm highly offended at you saying that to me? It's never happened. Never happened. In fact, what do people say? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you to say. Well, The station's director of marketing and media, Madeline Painter, said that Marsh was an amazing host, that he was never asked to resign, nor did he want him to resign. However, Marsh said, told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, that a producer had complained about his greeting of Faust. He said he was called into a meeting with two managers before going on the air in which the, the next day, in which one of them said they wanted to put this behind us. So Mr. Marsh said, "Are you basically saying what I did was wrong?" He said the manager made a gesture with his hand, saying almost like it's right on the edge. And I and he said, "I'm done. That's it. I quit." And he was not ready to retire, but he said he felt humiliated that people think that I'm a sexist creep for this. He worked an uh, MC event not too long after. People supported him, said, and he said it made him you know feel good that people that they supported him and. He also said that there is a culture now of oversensitivity. It's gone out of control. And I agree with him. This has gone way beyond out of control. This is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I have the response from Karen Foss. And when we come back, we will talk about that response. I will read it in its entirety. This is what we are seeing now. And I'm sure this producer was some young little feminist who probably couldn't get a man if her life depended on it, who probably has never received a compliment because she's frankly... I'd say she's a dog, but I've got puppy Baron right here, and he just looked at me like, hey, wait a minute, I'm a good-looking canine. I'm a good-looking dog. But I would say she is probably someone who has not received any... I can just picture her right now, the typical uptight feminist You know, uh, Birkenstocks, long hair, goatee, hasn't had a man in ages.
0: Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app. For Apple, Android, and Kindle devices, you can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave.
1: The Cigar Dave Officers Club is the premier opportunity for you to experience fantastic cigars shipped to you every month. A beautiful variety of cigars, whether it's mild, medium, full from various countries. And the April 2019 Officers Club selection is loaded with full bodied flavor. We are featuring the Hoyo La Amistad Vertical Sampler. La Amistad or the Friendship, translated from Spanish to English, is a unique co- a Nicaraguan collaboration between General Cigar and A.J. Fernandez. Three great cigars, all full body, the Hoya La Amistad Gold, the Hoya La Amistad Silver, and the Hoya La Amistad Black, all full flavored, all uniquely different. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club today and get great cigars delivered to you like the Hoya La Amistad Vertical Sampler. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club, $22.95 per month. Gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Join now, the Cigar Dave Officers Club.
0: What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's new, Pussycat? cat? Whoa, 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 Pussycat, pussycat, I've got flowers and lots of hours to spend with you. So go and potter your cutely. Pussycat knows. Pussycat, pussycat. Can you
1: imagine you. the rage that feminists, hashtag me tours, must be thinking my me playing What's New
3: Pussycat
1: by Tom Jones. In fact, next time I see a lovely dame, I'm going to say, what's new pussycat? Meow. In fact, I guarantee that if I say that to any dame, by me saying it, they'll be like, "Ooh, I like that. But you say that to a tough broad, a one of those ugly feminists that can't get a man, look out. And this all goes back to what we were talking about before the bottom of the hour timeout. KM correction, KWMU, KMU host, Don Marsh, 80 years of age, longtime public radio host in St. Louis, Missouri, as they say. It's Missouri, but if you're from Missouri, you say Missouri. Was accused to a degree of delivering an improper greeting to a longtime anchor woman in St. Louis, Karen Foss, retired anchor woman who is 75. And what was his transgression? His transgression was just so over the top. Can't believe it. He said to her, You look great. With those three words, the public radio station management and a producer went into a tizzy, saying it was inappropriate, saying it was over the line. And when a manager, when he, when, when I get a kick out of this, when man, uh, Marsh was meeting with two managers from the station, and one of them says, after he asks, Are you saying what I did was wrong? The manager made a gesture with his hand saying, eh, it's on the edge. And I can just see him doing that, you know, like taking his hand, kind of motioning it back and forth, eh, kind of on the edge. No, it's not. In fact, if any of these managers had alpha nads of steel like yours truly and like all of you, he would have simply brought the producer in and said, has anybody ever given you a compliment in your life? And if she said no, he'd say, well, maybe you don't understand, then, when somebody gives a compliment, it is a gesture of, number one, friendship, and a, just a good old-fashioned compliment. There's nothing sexually harassing about it. And if the woman said, oh, yes, I've had compliments, say, "Say great, then you understand when somebody delivers a compliment, it is a token of friendship, period. But the mere fact that management at this public radio station in St. Louis, KWMU, Kmu, Kwamu, wouldn't just bring the producer in and say, "Wait a minute," he said, "You look great." Did 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 Miss Foss seem to have a problem with that? No, not at all. Then there is no problem. Next, but the mere fact that they couldn't address that because they're they have just wussified beta nads, or no nads at all. Is outrageous. And by the way, when you talk about a public radio station, let me get in. If, if you've ever listened to public radio, first of all, let me do my impression of public radio. I have way too much enthusiasm and vigor, verve, and perspicacity to be on public radio. But let's, let's try to tone it down the way they do on public radio. I'm going to do the version of The Cigar Dave Show on public radio. Greetings, friends. Welcome to "The Cigar Dave Show. Today on public radio, Kwamu Moo Moo moo, We're going to talk and discuss about life's great pleasures, those alpha- male pursuits that we can enjoy together, such as smoking a cigar, pouring ourselves a festive libation, and perhaps really splurging, going over the top, throwing a dead animal product known as a steak on your grill. We do ask however that you limit your grilling due to the possibility of endangering our beloved planet, and contributing to climate change. We also ask that when you purchase your libations or your cigars, please bring a reusable, eco-friendly bag. And this is how the Cigar Dave Show would sound on a public radio station. Sergeant Steve, is that about right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Pretty much. Now, if you think I could talk two hours like this, you have got another thing coming. There is no way. Too boring. That's why I can't listen to public radio. After about 30 seconds, I'm like... <sniffs> Snoozefest. Out cold. So, this is the response from Karen Foss about what transpired with Kwamu, K-W-M-U, Moo. See, now I'm going to keep saying this all the time. Moo, host, Don Marsh. Posted this on her Facebook page. This is March 30th. This past Tuesday, I had the pleasure of being a guest on KWMU Radio. Moo. When I was interviewed by Don Marsh on St. Louis on the Air, he was an impressive host. The time flew by, and I was surprised later to realize that we had covered multiple topics in just a short time. Don skillfully led the conversation and gracefully accommodated the numerous breaks for news and fundraising inserts. It was a pleasure to work with such a professional. I was reminded why Marsh was always considered a premier St. Louis broadcaster. Imagine my shock when I learned the very next morning, Marsh and KWMU, Moo, parted ways. And I was doubly shocked when sources told me that I had played an unwitting role in his departure. Reportedly, Marsh was reprimanded for greeting me with a, you look good. The assertion being that Don was making a sexist comment. I am appalled. As a woman who has long argued for the equitable treatment of women... I am highly alert to sexism and discrimination and I sensed absolutely none of that in his greeting. In fact, I strongly suspect I responded by saying, so do you. It is a common way for those of us who are aged to greet each other, meaning we share our pleasure at being vital and healthy. It is in no way leering or meant to diminish anyone's intellectual or professional contributions. If indeed, This simple exchange between professionals who have been friendly competitors for nearly 40 years was considered evidence of sexism. I must protest vehemently. After 60 years in the workplace, I know very well what sexual harassment and innuendo look like, and this was most assuredly nothing of the kind. It was a warm and innocent exchange between two two mature, mutually respectful professionals. K-W-M-U, moo, listeners, will miss Don Marsha's insightful view of today's issues, as well as his good humor and grace. We have become ultra-sensitive in this country. The pendulum always shifts from one extreme to the other. Never, ever changes. We go from one absolute extreme to the other. We can't just say, listen... When there are clear issues of sexual harassment and intimidation, such as Harvey Weinstein, Les Moonves, what is a couple of those comedians? Uh, what's that uh, comedian who uh, dropped this trowel? Louis C.K.? Louis C.K., thank you very much. Louis C.K., thanks, Sergeant Steve. Those, those men are scumbags. They are not what we as alpha males espouse, and that is being gentlemanly, being polite, We in no way, shape, or form condone that boorish behavior. I would never in a million years have anyone in my office, well, I shouldn't say that, the harem, but they voluntarily, it's all consensual with the harem. But somebody I'm doing business with saying, hey, great, yeah, yeah, I'm interested, but do me a favor. I'm going to drop my trousers right now and pleasure me, and then we'll talk about it. Who would do such a thing? The only men that would do such a thing are men with low self esteem, low self confidence absolute scumbags scumbags not alpha males in any way shape or form but we have gone to an extreme in this country now every comment every every compliment now has to be looked at as through the lens of sexual harassment what did you mean by that say good morning to someone now the wrong way what did you mean by that I didn't have a good morning I was late traffic was terrible I had a fight with my husband. It is not a good morning. I'm reporting you to HR. Please. We all need to lighten up in this country. We have become so uptight and so on the edge on every single matter. Now, if you say something innocuous, it's racial. It's discriminatory. I've got a story. I'm going to save this for next week before Easter. I mean, I've got a story here about... Three ducks, chocolate Easter ducks from a British supermarket chain. And there are three ducks, and they are actually named Crispy, Fluffy, and Ugly, inspired by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen's children's story, The Ugly Duckling. Well, one is milk chocolate, one is white chocolate, and one is dark chocolate. Oh, the outrage! All the outrage, everything is racial. They pulled it off the shelf because the ugly duckling was the dark chocolate, ooh. And they say, oh, that connotes that it must be racial. Well, milk chocolate is black, too. Brown, black, whatever. And it's called crispy. Now do we say, oh, crispy, it is racial. This is what is going on in the country and in the world now. Everything is racist. Everything now becomes an insult to people. Get over it. As an alpha, I make statements, and I don't apologize for them. Period. This week, I went after Ilhan Omar when she said, "Let me try to do my own my, my Ilhan Omar impression." People were getting a little bit. Now that's too Indian. Wait, I'm try, I've got to try it. I, I channeled my my. I had a good impression of her. Basically, when she said that some people did something on 9-11. Some people did something on 9-11. Some people did something. Well, I went after her to numerous friends. And I said exactly what I thought. And I had one person tell, well, isn't that extreme? And my answer was not extreme at all. I believe Ilhan Omar is an enemy of America, pure and simple. When somebody says somebody did something to someone on 9-11, no, it was Islamic extremist terrorist that murdered 3,000 people. Americans, foreigners on American soil, and forever changed this country. How dare Elon Omar make that statement? She is an enemy of America. And someone said, well, wait a minute, That's, aren't you being a little bit racist? No, I'm not. Someone said to me, well, maybe you should apologize because somebody's offended. And I said, I don't really care. This is the problem. Everybody feels they have to apologize for things today. Make a statement, take a stand, and stand by it. That doesn't mean that when we make a, 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 an innocuous error, we say, oh, sorry. But if we make a comment on something, we should stand by it. And it's the same thing with what we are seeing, what, what this person, Don Marsh, made an innocuous statement. You look great. All of a sudden, one producer, and I can picture her now, Can't get a man, probably wears the Birkenstocks, probably wears the, uh, you know, uses the reusable bags that carry all sorts of uh, germs and and all sorts of other uh, viruses when you take it to the supermarket. I can just picture her now. You can picture her. Because nobody's ever given this ugly, pardon the pun, duckling, a compliment. So enough is enough. Don Marsh took a stand. Do a podcast, Don. Continue doing what you're doing. And I'm glad to see that the woman who received the compliment stood up and said, this is ridiculous. All right, when we come back, the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony around the corner. And no apologies if you are an alpha male, period.
0: The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is a Hoyo La Amistad sampler, including the Hoyo La Amistad Gold. This cigar is an exciting, one-of-a-kind collaboration with A.J. Fernandez. La Amistad Gold is a bold and full-bodied smoke featuring an exceptional balance of sweetness and spice. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club.
4: In 1964, José O. Padrón began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padrón cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padrón controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padrón family, it's called making great cigars. The Padrón lines include the Padrón 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padrón Traditional line. All Padrón cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Abano Tobacco. Available in natural or maduro. Experience Padrón. For your Padrón retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padrón is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor.
2: Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org.
0: With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, as we discussed in the opening segment of
1: today's show, big year 2018 for cigar imports, specifically for Nicaragua. 173 million premium handmade cigars shipped to the United States in 2018. Up sevenfold from 1997 or 98, where they had just about 24 million cigars that were shipped into the United States. So today's Nicaragua Day. We'll celebrate Nicaragua, not the government. Don't care for them. Do not care for the Sandinistas in any way, shape, or form. However, the people of Nicaragua and the cigar manufacturers in Nicaragua and the f- uh, fertile soil of Nicaragua just. Makes for wonderful, fantastic cigars. And I have pulled out a cigar that traces its roots back to Cuba. Ramon Iones, not Ramon Alon's or Alon's. It is Ramon Iones, made by AJ Fernandez Cigar. Interesting partnership. Here's how it came about AJ Fernandez grew up in Cuba. His father's favorite cigar growing up in Cuba was Ramon Iones, General Cigar acquired the Ramon Iones trademark for the United States. They were able to do so when uh, they basically also uh, purchased the Patagas trademarks from Ramon Cifuentes. And so while collaborating on several projects, General Cigar and A.J. Fernandez, after talking about things, A.J. said, you know, Ramon Iones was my father's favorite cigar. How about letting me make the cigar and distribute it and uh, let me use that brand name. Well, they created a wonderful partnership, and Rabon Iones launched just over a year ago or so. Medium to full flavored cigar. The wrapper is a Medio Tiempo Habano Oscuro from Nicaragua. The binder, it's all a, 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 a Nicaraguan Puro, Corojo 99 Nicaragua. Filler, Corojo 99 from Jalapa, Criollo 98 from Condega. And Criollo 98 from Puebla. And Nuevo and Hybrid Tobacco from Esteli. So a very unique blend, four different sizes. I have pulled out the Churchill, seven inches in length with a 50 ring gauge. About $13 on average for this cigar. It is a medium, medium, full-bodied cigar. Very nice-looking stick. Very traditional-looking Cuban dressing and packaging. Ramon Ayones from AJ Fernandez from Nicaragua, my cigar of choice today.
0: Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self sharpening, double-edged, stainless steel guillotine ready for action. Ma- ma- Maximum BTU flame throwing and heat producing apparatus.
1: Well, this is known as the welder's torch. And the reason is, came from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories. You almost need one of those the goggles that welders use because of all the sparks and everything flying. Got one giant flame that reaches out about six inches. You got to be listen to that. Got to be very close as I be careful as I take this to the microphone. One giant flame, huge tank. This has got to be enough to last you at least two months worth of lighting cigars. We'll try it. See
0: how it works. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure approval to go throttle up in three two one perfect cut
1: just below the shoulders of the cigar fantastic actually let me take this giant welders torch we don't even have a name listen to that thing jeez oh yeah I'm gonna toast the foot of this Rabon Iones. nice I will puff and rotate oh yeah mm-hmm Mm, very nice. Mm, nice. Almost a little nutty, a little peppery. Mm, very smooth. Mm, let me just touch it up here. As I blow on the foot, even amber glow. Mm, very pleasant cigar. Nice little spice. Got some uh, chocolatey notes as well. Very nice. Nice draw. So, Aiones by A.J. Fernandez, my cigar of choice.
0: Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers.
1: Well, I'm going to also stick with Nicaragua, and I have pulled out a Nicaraguan rum Flor de Caña, which in Spanish means sugarcane flour. Flor de Caña distillery owned by Companía. Licorera de Nicaragua, founded in 1890, but Flor de Caña was not marketed commercially until 1937. The story began in 1875 when Italian explorer Alfredo Francisco Peraz traveled in Nicaragua. By 19, uh, 1890, he found the site for the Flor de Caña distillery in Chicalba. And that's where it stays. And this is the Flor de Caña Seven-year-old nice Nicaraguan rum mixing rum. We'll pour a little bit here. We will say cheers. Mm. Oh. Aged in oak barrels, white oak barrels. Mm. Almost has a nice oaky flavor to it. Very, very pleasant. Little butterscotch. Almost apple, little brown sugary. Flor de Canya, seven-year-old, lovely. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show is next.
0: A M E M, The Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida. U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General Cigar Cigar Dave. Dave. Now,
1: we always talk about alpha male pleasures on the Cigar Dave Show we talk about primarily cigars and spirits and grilling and dice dames travel and this story is just staring me smack in the face about giant inflatable breasts they're called boobs ed a big effort going on in england and is there anything more pleasurable than a nice rack so maybe we should start this hour talking about giant Inflatable rests, and there is a Mick the Brit component to this story, which we will get to. Also, want to get to a. Gi- we love our TVs, love our giant HD TVs. Sony has created a colossal TV. We'll talk about that. Big news in the world of cigars, and also I'll give you my take on the Boeing 737 continuing saga, as well as remembering a very important World War II veteran. Much to get to this hour of the Cigar Dave Show. As always, we continue front and center. And when you think about men's pleasure, you think about anything that really gives us enjoyment, whether it is cigars or the rum that I'm enjoying right now, the Flor de Caña, seven-year-old, or the Ramon iones by A.J. Fernandez cigar that I am puffing away on here at Command Center Alpha. Steaks on the grill. In fact, I've already got my eyes tonight on a beautiful tomahawk chop ribeye, but I think there's nothing more pleasurable to those of us that are heterosexual alpha males, and if you're not, hey, not that there's anything wrong with that, I'm just saying if you're a heterosexual male, as I am, many of you are, Mayor Pete Buttigieg is not, so maybe this story wouldn't be of interest to him, not that there's anything wrong with that. But giant inflatable breasts, they're called boob's have been appearing around London in an effort to destigmatize breastfeeding. Now I ask you this, do any of you heterosexual males have a problem seeing giant inflatable breasts? I always say there's nothing like a large rack on a hot day. never met a large rack that I didn't love. Especially with the harem. And by the way, speaking of the harem, a happy belated birthday to the lovely Ms. Kite, our Command Center Alpha hostess and keeper of the harem. Had her birthday on Thursday. Forgot to mention it last week with all the action at Sun and Fun. But a happy belated birthday to the lovely Ms. Kite. And Ms. Kite knows my requirements. Got to have a nice rack. And in, in her voice, she says, to those that don't, sorry sorry love but the general likes a large rack you are not eligible for entrance into the harem and she says it so nicely that the women say okay no problem when i get a rack job a boob job i'm coming back no problem you can reapply but does anybody have a problem seeing giant inflatable breasts i don't well in the uk in england Four giant inflatable boobs of various sizes and colors were installed in different locations across uh, England last Sunday as part of the hashtag #FreeTheFeed campaign, which aims to remove negative associations from breastfeeding or milk public pumping in public. The effort is an is an invitation to everyone to stand with all those women who have felt shamed or confined when breastfeeding or pumping. Now the Company that created this inflatable breast campaign said that they know giant boobs will raise a few eyebrows. Hey, I'm not raising any eyebrows. I don't have a problem with it. But we want to make sure no one overlooks the way that this stigma has been used to repress women. And a survey released earlier this year found that one third of mothers in the UK who breastfeed have been forced to use a bathroom to express. Milk And more than half of mothers who responded to the survey reportedly said they have had to express milk in an unsuitable place, like their car or work desk. And the majority of mothers reportedly highlighted a lack of support in workplaces after giving birth. Well, here's the thing. I, If a woman wants to breastfeed her child, her baby, I don't think that necessarily that they should do it in public. I mean, I've seen women, like, at airports, and they've got, like, a blanket around, so everything's covered. Okay, I get it. But if you do have the opportunity to do it privately in your office or a private conference room, I think that should be a reasonable place for women to breastfeed their babies. Now, barring that, if there is no other place, but usually there is, and now you're seeing airports that have rooms for breastfeeding and to accommodate in offices and in fact i know of one workplace where several of the employees female employees were pregnant and they decided to take one of the smaller conference rooms there's no windows or anything and they basically put a little sign saying do not disturb and you know vacant so that and it was known to all the other employees that that would be for the women while they were breastfeeding their kids okay they made the accommodation no problem But I don't have, I do take issue with women that say, hey, you know what? We should be able to breastfeed anywhere riding over public. And here's my problem with it. If you see some of these women that are breastfeeding, they're not exactly tens on a scale of one to ten. Some of them, racks are a little saggy, not exactly the hottest of dames. In that case, please, do it privately. Now, one uh, interesting note, on one of the four giant inflatable breasts, they found an adult that resembles a gecko that is uh, hanging on and seems to be breastfeeding one of these giant inflatable breasts. After further review, it appears it is Mick the Brit. Mick the Brit, who is not a baby in any way, shape, or form, apparently was felt so overcome with emotion that he climbed up one of these giant inflatable breasts, and he is breastfeeding. He's been breastfeeding since Sunday. Authorities have been trying to get him to release his mouth from the large inflatable breast nipple. No joy, no luck. Make the bre- that's why I couldn't join us today. I wanted him to co-host today. Unavailable as he is breastfeeding on one of the giant inflatable breasts in England. If you watched the NCAA championship on Monday, and I must admit, and I tweeted out, was not exactly looking forward to seeing Texas Technical versus Virginia now it turned out to be a much better game than I thought with more scoring than I thought went into overtime Texas Tech had the game made a couple of key errors and usually a game can be decided towards the end on one or two errors and that's exactly what happened now I watched on my high definition large screen I think it's what 70 inches something like that but as alphas As those of us that enjoy watching our football, our basketball, our hockey, movies, whatever, we're always in search of a larger and bigger screen. We want that cinematic theatrical experience. The National Association of Broadcasters Convention took place this past week in Las Vegas, second largest convention that takes place in Vegas behind the Consumer Electronics Show that takes place in early January. I've attended it numerous times. It takes every convention center, every hotel room. It is just incredible. A lot of technology attended by broadcasters, content producers from around the world. Well, Sony had a very big announcement at the NAB show this past week. They have created the largest TV screen known to man at 63 feet wide by 17 feet high. It is a 16K, now you've heard of HD, you've heard of 4K, you've heard of 8K, now 16K and it is going on sale shortly in Japan. The new 16K display has four times as many horizontal pixels as a 4K TV, eight times that of a regular 1080p high def TV meaning it can show images in far more detail than normal. And because of the incredible definition and detail, viewers can stand closer to the unit, which is longer than a bus, and the image will not be blurred. If you stand close to a 1080p high-definition TV, it becomes very pixelated. You have to stand back at least six, eight feet, depending on the size of the TV. Like a 70-inch, you need to be at least six, eight feet back to get a nice picture when you get closer it starts to look fuzzy with this 16 K giant screen television again 63 feet wide by 17 feet high you're gonna get incredible definition close-up the TV the 16 K TV is currently being installed in a new research center that has been built for the Japanese cosmetic groups Shiseido in the city of Yokohama south of Tokyo now, interesting, you bring up Yokohama. I'm getting gas yesterday in the Cigar City. And I look across the street, and I see a place called Spa Yokohama. And the first thing that came to mind was the spa, of course, with a pleasant endings down in Palm Beach. So I took a picture of that. We'll tweet that out. Because I knew I had this story about this giant 16K TV that it's being installed in the city of Yokohama. Not to be infused with confused with Spa Yokohama in the Cigar City of Tampa. But it is so long, ah, there we go. Welcome to Spa Yokohama, here to serve us your needs. Would you like to watch a giant 16K television? Or would you prefer happy ending and present ending from one of our fine geishas here at the Spa Yokohama? We start with a Japanese massage, a Japanese bath, and we culminate in present and a happy ending. It is having your own geisha here at the spa in Yokohama. I'm all for it. Again, what I said, Bob Craft has nothing to apologize for. The man needed some stress relief. He got it just before a big playoff game. Needed some stress relief. What's wrong with a happy ending now and then? Everybody gets so uptight over sex. We're not living in a puritanistic society anymore. It's amazing. The same people that are so uptight about sex, oh, can't do that. Oh, no, 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 no. Sex off all money, no good. Hey, better to lease than buy. Cost you less, especially if you don't have a prenuptial agreement. Are the same people saying, got to legalize marijuana. Got to be able to smoke pot wherever I I want. Oh, and by the way, I'm against people smoking cigars because of the secondhand smoke. The hypocrisy is amazing. Going back to this TV, it is so large, it's going to stretch between the first and second floors of this cosmetics group's uh, lobby. Now, by the end of the decade, so really, in the next probably year, year and a half, we should be looking at the rollout of 8K TVs to people across the country at, at a reasonable price. Now we've got 4K we're starting to see, should start seeing 8K. But remember, a lot of the video is not being shot. Or transmitted. I shouldn't say shot. Most everything now is being shot in 4K, but not broadcast in 4K, except certain cable and certain programs like the Masters that's going on this week. We'll get to that. In fact, Sergeant Steve, get the Masters music ready to go, please, because it wouldn't be the Masters, not yet, but it wouldn't be the Masters without doing my Jim Nance and my Hootie Johnson impersonation, even though Hootie is now long gone. But nonetheless, we'll do that a little bit later on at the bottom of the hour. We're going to do that. But we're going to see 8K TVs by the end of the decade. And with a 16K TV, we're probably not going to see that until well after 2020 at a reasonable price. But when you get to resolution in the 16K category, the picture quality is almost quasi-virtual reality because your eyes can perceive the depth to the content, which is what everybody wants to see. And Sony is using a new technology called Crystal LED LED, which is the brand name for their micro-LED display technology. Samsung, also experimenting with the format. The new TVs do not require a backlight, but it is much brighter than an OLED organic light-emitting diode screen while still delivering similar deep blacks. The the manufacturing costs right now, too expensive for widespread use. But just remember, when high-def TVs first came out, I'm thinking maybe 15, 16 years ago, we were talking four, five, six, seven thousand dollars 7000 Now you can get a giant 70-inch flat panel LED state-of-the-art for $1,500, $1,000, $1,800. And Sony is going to start pitching a range of smaller, lower-resolution crystal LEDs that can be used in lobbies, showrooms, cinemas, theme parks. So while 16K footage not available, it is only a matter of of time. I need to think about this. And if you are ever going to do a man cave, you need to start thinking about this in the future. There's going to be an 8K TV. they are going to be 16K TVs. They're going to be bigger and sharper than ever. Start planning accordingly. Big news in the world of cigars. There is a brand by the name of Lars Tettens, named after, eponymously named after a gentleman named Lars Tettens. Lars Tettens cigars were the first botanical and urban-fused cigars well before Drew Estate. In fact, the guys from Drew Estate used to distribute Lars Tettens in the New York area, in New York State, before they created their own acid line. Lars, I had on the show, I'll never forget this. I believe it was, I want to say, maybe in 1998 from Buffalo, or 99, that a live show from the Tinderbox in amherst new york or williamsville new york on transit road did it outside under a tent before we did the giant pleasure fests and i got a call from lars Tettens, and i knew his cigars and he said hey i'm in utica i'd like to come up for the show i'm like lars come on up i'd love to have you now let me explain lars is a and he'll tell you this he's a, a very eccentric guy very eccentric guy up at all hours of the day, one of these creative types, very unique guy. Uh, in fact, he's got uh, multiple, besides his cigars, he had Lars Tetons brands where he basically was doing leather goods. Uh, he was an artist. In fact, he sent me this amazing artistic piece. I get this giant, I get a call from the receptionist saying, you got this gigantic thing that just arrived. This giant painting came in. Lars, and I, I call Lars, and I didn't even know it was coming, this thing was very expensive and, uh, you know, hangs uh, in uh, in my home. But Lars, a very eccentric guy, but his cigar brand was hotter than hot in 1997 and 1998. Couldn't get them. In fact, his production would be like whatever he feels like. He had like 10, 12 rollers, 15 rollers in, in Utica, New York. When he decided to make them, he would make them. When he didn't, he didn't. And that was one of the rubs that Alec Bradley or uh, Drew Estate said, "Hey, we can't get these cigars." Well, Alan Rubin, the owner of Alec Bradley, about uh, 15 years ago, decided that he was going to search out Lars. He'd heard about him, and decided that he would reach out, try to try to meet him. So they end up talking, and they decide to meet. At a cigar shop one night at 11 o'clock at night, 11 p.m. Now, Alan gets there. 11 come comes rolling around. Midnight rolls around. 1 a.m. still not there. At 2 a.m., Lars Tettens shows up. Then he says, "Hey," and he's also a chef, by the way, a very a big gourmet chef. And he says, "I want to make make uh, uh, make him uh, make, make Alan mac lobster mac and cheese." So they smoke cigars, talked until six. They became good friends, kept in touch, and they started talking about ways of working together. Well, it was announced several days ago in a very surprise announcement because many people wouldn't remember the Lars Tetons brands, except those people that have been around cigars for a while or those that consume the Lars Tetons or many, many retailers, that Alec Bradley has acquired Lars Tetons brands, creating a partnership between Lars Tetons and Alec Bradley and Alan Rubin as well as a working partnership between both companies and Lars Teton cigars will now solely be distributed by Alec Bradley cigar. Lars for many years focused on manufacturing very exotic cigars, unique experiences of the senses, the herbs, the botanicals, the unique oils and a very unique, they call it a conditioning process, they don't spray the leaves but a unique conditioning process Lars is a was a child prodigy. He is a child prodigy, known for his musical talents, artistic talents. He's got clothing, bespoke leather, culinary. He's a chef, a master chef, creates spices. Just a very unique guy, and I got a very interesting story about Lars. So he come to Buffalo, and literally comes out a van, and it looked like there's like 10, 12 people that just came out of this van, and Lars comes in. I think he was dressed in a kilt, if I'm not mistaken. Just very eccentric. Nice guy. Great guy. And then he says afterwards, hey, let's go to dinner tonight. Let's go to one of the best restaurants. you are coming to dinner. We're all going to dinner tonight. I said, okay, great. So it went about 8 o'clock, and I, Lars is there on time. Go to a restaurant at the time called Lord Shumley's. And I'm going to tell Alan the story. Alan Rubin and Lars Tettens are going to join us next, next week here on the show to discuss this unique partnership. I haven't talked to Lars probably in gotta be 20 years because he just disappeared off the face of the earth about a year or so later, just stopped making the cigars. So we get to this restaurant called Lord Chumley's, there's about 12 of us. He's sitting at the head of the table, I'm sitting next to to him, and the waitress brings us the menus, comes over and said, okay, can I take your drink orders? And Lars says, well, we're also ready to order. She says, okay, great. So gets the drink order, When the drink order is done, Lars looks at the waitress and says, we'll take one of everything on the menu, every entree, every appetizer, every hors d'oeuvre. So the waitress starts laughing and says, okay, what do you want? He says, no, I want one of everything. Now, I'm going, what are you, kidding, Lars? There must have been, I'm not kidding you, at least 18 or 20 entrees. There must have been a dozen or 14, maybe 16 hors d'oeuvres and appetizers. He's like, no, I want one of everything. She's like, you're sure? The manager comes over and says, let me get this straight. You want one of everything? He said, I want one of everything. Okay. So he says, do you want it all at once? He goes, no, just keep bringing it out. We were there for about three hours eating and sampling every single thing on the menu. I have never in my life seen this. I remember coming back to my uh, folks house, Cigar Mother and Cigar Father, Dr. Z and Cigar Mother Piera. And they said, how was it? I said, it was unique. The food was great. But this is very unique. I said, he ordered one of everything on the menu. Now, my parents were very familiar with Lord Chumley's. Not open anymore, but at the time, very well-known restaurant. My father says, what? Wait a minute. There's like 20 entrees on there. I mean, there's probably 40 items on the menu, maybe more. I said, Dad, he ordered every one on the menu. There was more food than we knew what to do with, but just shows you Lars. Wanted to sample everything. It was a unique night. We had a great time. So we cannot wait to see the new cigars that are collaborating between Lars Tettens and Alec Bradley.
0: April selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is the Hoyo La Amistad sampler, including the Hoyo La Amistad silver. This full-bodied sequel to the Hoyo La Amistad is crafted entirely with Habano seed tobaccos and using some of the oldest Cuban methods. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com.
1: its birth date back to 1933 and today we gather in early April to celebrate the mystique the traditions and the majestic incredible serene picture of Augusta National looking at Amen Corner to the big oak tree, the famed Eisenhower tree, Ike's Pond, and Ray's Creek. It is indeed an honor and a privilege for CBS once again to get on our knees and fillet the board of directors of Augusta National Golf Club to be able to bring you once again the Masters. To celebrate this year's Masters, it is my privilege once again to introduce you, the former chairman of Augusta National, who is now joining us from high above, high above the heavens, looking down on this incredible, tranquil place in Southeast Georgia. I present to you Mr. Hootie Johnson. Hootie, wonderful to see you again. We hope heaven is treating you
3: well. Well, Jim, thank you so much. It's great for my annual visit here with you at Butler Cabin. You know, Jim, it is such an awkward ceremony at Butler Cabin when we award the famed green jacket to our new winner. And you and I talk for just a few minutes, and I address our patrons and our viewers around the world. But I always get a kick out of when I introduce you and you come in slightly bent down in a bowing gesture ready to get on your knees and fillet me and do whatever's necessary to kiss my white cracker southern ass. I've been former chairman or was chairman for many many years at Augusta National and I just want to say some of the things that I do miss that we don't have here in heaven. Well we don't have the famed pimento cheese sandwiches. We don't have the serenity of Amen Corner. And we certainly don't have a network that's willing to get on their knees and do whatever it takes to get the contract for an additional year and make no money on it. But Jim, I just want to say, even though I no longer preside over the butler ceremony and the butler cabin presentation of the green jacket, it is always wonderful this time of year to join you well, you kiss my ass, because nobody in heaven does anymore, but you do, Jim, and I greatly appreciate it, and we hope you enjoy this week's tournament.
1: Hootie is always ever so inspirational, and we thank you for gracing us with your incredible presence. And over today and tomorrow, the Masters will conclude, and we will name a champion. Will it be a repeating champion? Will it be a new champion? Will it be a champion for the ages? Whatever the case, here at CBS and my broadcast crew, we will be sure to respect and pay appropriate tribute to this hallowed Augusta National Golf Course. We will not refer to the area that has long grasses, the rough. No, it is known as the second cut. And I can assure you, we will not refer to fast greens as bikini waxed. And in fact, we are, however, allowed to talk to call them landing strip fast greens. No Brazilian wax greens, but landing strip greens,
3: because it just has just a slight amount of fur on that green to slow things up just a little bit. But it's not totally
1: fast and smooth so it has been my honor once again to pay tribute to this incredible course and for four days I must talk like this I must bow my head to all the boards of directors to the members for one day maybe I will become a member of this club amongst all these ever so decrepit and old men who make up membership in augusta national on behalf of our entire broadcast team here at cbs thank you for joining us to honor the masters and a big thank you once again for Hootie johnson joining us from heaven the southern part of heaven of course you detected of course his southern heaven accent for the masters And if you think that I'm going to talk like this the rest of the show, you can forget it. But Jim Nance, will talk that way the entire weekend. Have to do our annual tradition of impersonating Jim Nance and Hootie Johnson. Actually, the new president of Augusta National is from the Cigar City of Tampa. He's relatively young. I think he's about... 99, if I'm not mistaken. No, he's actually much less, much younger than that and not the Southern cracker that Hootie was. He is from the South originally. I think he's a Florida guy, but not that Georgia cracker like Hootie was. In any event, the Masters. Yes, I will watch it, but I don't Google Gaga. In fact, I've had people say, oh, I just played the Masters. It is a thrill. You Maybe one day you'll be lucky enough. And my answer is, why on earth would I want to play a course that is with members that are as old and decrepit and as archaic as the members of Augusta National. I have zero interest. People find that shocking. I have played Pebble Beach, a much better course in my estimation in any way, shape, or form. By the way, once you get out of Augusta, Augusta National, it's not that serene setting. It's like being in a city. It's like being on one you know big uh, main thoroughfare. It's not as majestic. Within the walls it is, but once you get out of it, not so great. In any event... Our tribute to the Mastas and Augusta. Uh, this is an interesting item that I want to... Actually, I'm going to say that because I've got... I've got. This is more important, I think, than what... Well, they're both important, but this pays tribute to a really heroic American that we need to properly pay tribute to. Two, two Americans. The last Doolittle Raider has passed away. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Cole passed away this past Monday at the age of one... 103, The final surviving member of the daring raid on Tokyo during World War II, launched by carrier-based B-25s. And for those of you that don't know the history of Doolittle's Raiders, and in fact most every high school student and probably college student today has no clue about World War II history, and that is disgusting and a shame and a mortal sin. That World War II history and more American history is not taught in our schools. But after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Americans were itchy to hit back, to punch back. Because we as Americans, we don't sit back and get defensive. We're going to go back, and we're just like Patton said, we're going to run through them like crap through a goose. Well, after Pearl Harbor, Americans were desperate to hit back. And the first hit was by the Doolittle Raid. Sixteen Army Air Force B-25s were configured to basically carry, to be as light as possible, to carry nothing but fuel to get them to Japan and then from Japan, from Tokyo, hopefully to China. They weren't coming back to the aircraft carriers. Not going to happen. They took off from the USS Hornet to hit multiple Japanese cities, including Tokyo. But the plan was to fly to China because a B-25 could not land on an aircraft carrier. They were able to make it take off. And Jimmy Doolittle, Colonel Jimmy Doolittle, who was the main man, the leader of this mission, it was basically a suicide mission. The members knew they probably wouldn't come back whole. They would be captured. They would be killed. They wouldn't make it. That's how brave these men were. And Doolittle's raiders, they they Worked on those planes, literally getting rid of anything, any extra weight, so it could take off from the aircraft carrier and barely made it, and again, carry as much fuel as they could. Only one of the 16 planes landed safely in the Soviet Union. The fate of the rest of the crews were really a story of heroism and sacrifice. Colonel Richard Cole was the co-pilot of Crew 1, which means he sat in the right seat alongside Colonel Jimmy Doolittle at the tip of the tip. Of the American spear aimed at imperial Japan. The Doolittle Raid, launched on April 18, 1942, a daring sea-launched bombing mission in the early days of World War II. Many didn't survive. Some were beheaded by the Japanese. The Japanese burned entire towns in occupied China that helped the, the Doolittle Raiders. In fact, one of the first teams that went into Japan after the bombing of Nagasaki was a unit solely focused on finding and extracting the surviving Doolittle Raiders in prison in Japan. They knew America knew they were treasured heroes. In 1942, the Doolittle raid boosted American spirits, because for four months after the Japanese attacked us at Pearl Harbor, America wanted to punch back. And while it didn't cause a ton of infrastructure damage. The Doolittle Raid did something far more important. It caused profound psychological damage and a psychological blow to the Japanese. Because the Japanese believed there was no way America could hit, could punch back at the Japanese homeland from across the Pacific. Couldn't happen. Wrong. Do not underestimate the United States of America, as Imperial Japan soon learned. In three years, swarms of Boeing B-29s based on Guam, Tinian, Saipan would be leveling Japanese cities, culminating in the nuclear attacks of August 1942 that caused the end of the war in the Pacific. But that all began three and a half years earlier on April 18, 1942, with the launch of Doolittle's Raiders and Colonel Richard Cole. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Cole deserves a long-ash, snappy salute from not only me, not only you, but every single American alive today. The man was an American hero, passed away a week ago at the age of 103. More history must be taught. Two nights ago on Fox News with Martha McCallum, see an interesting story about a man, World War II veteran, who is 100 years young by the name of Sidney Walton. When Sidney was younger, he wanted to meet American Civil War veterans. And he had a always had regrets that he never was able to meet Civil War veterans. So he has now launched a no-regrets tour where he's touring the country with his son. And if you go to his... Twitter feed, and we're posting a link to it. You should follow him. I have done so at Go Sydney Go on Twitter, and that's S I D N E Y Go Sydney Go, going around the country. And it is your opportunity. there's no regrets tour to meet a World War II veteran. He's already met with twelve governors. He met with President Trump at the White House on February 11th of this year. Very patriotic birthday for his 100th birthday. Celebrated it. President Trump at the White House. Very appropriate. I'm sure President Trump gave him a royal, royal welcome. Deserving of a great American hero. And I tweeted this out on Thursday with a picture of Sidney Walton, both from his younger days and today. I tweeted, every elementary and high school student should have the privilege of meeting this 100-year-old World War II veteran and American patriot. A grateful salute to Mr. Walton and his greatest generation. Please follow at GoSydneyGo on Twitter. A salute, special thanks to both Sydney and to Lieutenant Richard Cole, great Americans, members of the greatest generation. When they were young, there were no safe spaces. They weren't snowflakes. They defended this country in an honorable fashion, putting today's youth to shame. And it just angers me to no end that World War II history and American history is not properly taught in our schools. Unacceptable. We have to do something about that. The final and concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show comes your way next.
2: Hi, this is Rocky
0: Patel. If you're a beginner or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth,
1: The Cigar Dave Officers Club is the premier opportunity for you to experience fantastic cigars shipped to you every month. A beautiful variety of cigars, whether it's mild, medium, full, from various countries. And the April 2019 Officers Club selection is loaded with full-bodied flavor. We are featuring the Hoyo La Amistad Vertical Sampler. La Amistad or the Friendship, translated from Spanish to English, is a unique co- a Nicaraguan collaboration between General Cigar and A.J. Fernandez. Three great cigars, all full body, the Hoya La Amistad Gold, the Hoya La Amistad Silver, and the Hoya La Amistad Black, all full flavored, all uniquely different. Join the Cigar Dave Officers Club today and get great cigars delivered to you like the Hoyle Amistad Vertical Sampler. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. Join now the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Ah, the iconic Engelbert Humperdinck. You have been dinked. As I love you.
4: Just promise me this that
2: you give me all your kisses. Every winter, every summer, every
1: fall. He is 82. He still has the Elvis Mutton Chop Cyburns. He was the first to have those, by the way. He looks 82. Not wearing the shirt open. Keep that in the background, Sergeant Steve. We can keep that going. Doesn't have the shirt all the way down to his navel and the umpteen chains, but the voice is still there. Still has the voice. I've been watching him on YouTube. I don't know. I just I caught this PBS special. I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the guy was an icon. We're gonna. There's a clip from 1972 or 73. I think we may have linked to it. Maybe we didn't on YouTube. You got to see this. This was overt sexual. Raw sexualness on display with women. I mean, blatant. I mean, all he had to do was bait. I'm shocked he didn't say, Sweet hunts, give me your hands and stick them down my pants. It was that close. But Engelbert Humperdinck, Tom Jones, legends, man. Iconic. We'll, uh, we'll keep playing some of that uh, retro music like we do the Rat Pack. All right, the April 2019 Officers Club selection going out next week. It is a great sampler from Hoyo. La Amistad, Hoya de Monterrey, La Amistad. It is the friendship translated from Spanish to English, a unique Nicaraguan collaboration between General Cigar and A.J. Fernandez. We talked about the Ramon Ayones collaboration between A.J. Fernandez and General. Same thing. This is what started it all, the Hoya La Amistad, a line of all full-bodied cigars, all full-flavored, all rich, but slightly different taste nuances. The Hoya La Amistad Gold was the first release. You will get one of those encased in a lush Ecuadorian Habano wrapper surrounding four different Nicaraguan fillers. Then you'll get a a Hoya La Amistad Silver, same wrapper as the gold but uses only a two-filler blend, a Nicaraguan Esteli and Nicaraguan Condega, produces a spicy, mocha-like flavor, notes on the palate, still full and rich. And then lastly, the Hoya La Amistad Black, a dark, oily Ecuadorian Oscuro wrapper. Black is the spicy firecracker in the Hoya Amistad portfolio. Major bold taste. Nice spice. Touch of maybe sizzling cinnamon on there. The Hoya Amistad vertical sampler being sent next week. If you are not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com right now. $22.95 per month. You get three of the latest and greatest cigars Coming to you on April 19, the uh, Hoya La Amistad Vertical Sampler. If you love full-flavored cigars, you're going to love these sticks. Fabulous. Too late to get the Hoya La Amistad, but not too late to sign up before the end of the month to get the May selection, which we will talk about next week. Sad news here from the Cigar City of Tampa. Thompson Cigar, which has been in business 104 years in the Cigar City of Tampa, last year was sold by the Franz Blau fr- family, Bob Franz Blau, longtime friend, his kids, Carlo and Alex, longtime uh, friends. Just uh, Bob's, the whole family, just superbly uh, uh, nice, charitable, just great, wonderful friends. They sold Thompson Cigar to Scandinavi- a Scandinavian tobacco group, which uh, also owns Cigars International, a year ago for $62 million. They, two weeks ago, announced a plan with a layoff notice to the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity that they are going to be closing the 104-year-old company's outlet store and distribution center near Tampa International Airport, laying off 112 workers as they consolidate their operations in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. About half the job cuts will come the end of June. The rest will come the end of the year. And uh, Thompson Cigar was founded in 1915, in Key West and uh, was bought by the Friendsborough family. I want to say 52 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, 54 years. It is a Tampa institution. In fact, in 1929 they acquired postal permit number 1 in Tampa, which they still have. And within a few years Thompson Cigar shipments accounted for a quarter of the city of Tampa's postal receipts and revenues a Tampa institution, part of the history of Tampa. It is said that it is going to be leaving Tampa. Things change, unfortunately, but Bob Franzblau, who has been for the 24 years that I've known him, has been a mensch, wonderful gentleman. Uh, travel with him many times on Air Bob 1, or Bob Air 1, as we call it, to uh, numerous IPCPR conventions and gone for breakfast and friendly with... His son, Carlo, and his uh, his daughter, Alex, wonderful people. And the cigar industry will certainly miss the Franz Blau family in cigars. But I'm going to have lunch with Bob. I'm going to bring him lunch. Bob now, I think, is 91, 92, still spry. We're going to have lunch. Going to bring that over to him and share some great times. And I'm sure Bob is, the whole family is sad and it's leaving Tampa. But things change. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Cigar Dave, the General saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the enemies of political correctness. Give dames compliments. Who cares what the Me Too movement says?